0: You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. All right. Uh, One moment while I get set up. Uh, Just really um, thankful and humbled to um, have the opportunity to speak God's word to us today. Um, This week has been, you know, any time that we get to, that I get the opportunity to, to teach um, there's the the piece from scripture that we learn, but then there 's also just the personal uh, journey that that I get to go through personally, so i'm um, just so thankful for that and um, I just pray have been praying this week that um, the things that God's put on my heart um, he would use and accomplish his purposes so i 'm just trusting on that today um, so this morning uh, we 're going to look at uh, mark twelve eighteen to twenty seven so if you've got your Bible and you want to turn there, um, you can go ahead and do that. Why are we here? What is, <laughs> how did we get to Mark 12, uh, 18 to 27? So we've been as a church, studying through Exodus, um, and then took um, a short break for a couple weeks. But back in the beginning, when we started studying Exodus, um, in the introduction sermon that, that Adam taught us, he said he, the reason that he went to Exodus was that, you know we want to be able to see that this God, the God that part of the Red Sea, is our God too, that this story is our story. Um, And so what better way to kind of illustrate that than to go to the New Testament, to a place where um, Jesus is speaking of the Exodus and um, using that to teach um, about himself. Um, And then we can take that and have personal application today, continue to see the story of Exodus as um, our story uh, today. Um, Let's read. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't have my Bible in front of me. (laughs) Amateur. I don't even know uh, where it actually is. But uh, yeah, I'll take this one. Thank you very much. That would have been helpful. Um, so that's good. Um, if you, if you uh, would turn to Mark uh, twelve 18, uh, let's read that. So it says, The Sadducees ask about the re- resurrection. And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife... But leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they, are ne- they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but, God of, but the God of the living. You are quite wrong. Um, let's pray. Um, Father, uh, we come to you this morning just asking that you would uh, minister to us through your word. Um, that you would take the things um, that you've put um, on my heart and use them to accomplish your purposes um, in each one of the people that are here. Um, Father, I pray that you would, um, through the Spirit, as guide me um, as I teach, and that um, your word and that your character and that Christ would be made much of this morning. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Okay, so um, our summary sentence this morning, the purpose of Scripture will be missed— if the Bible is viewed as independent articles that do not include the supernatural power of God, nor the person of Jesus Christ. So, um, this morning, we find ourselves in sort of like a, a random spot, right? Um, we haven't um, spent a lot of time understanding what's happened before, or what happened after, or what's happening in this Kind of uh, in this passage that we're in, so I want to spend some time um, making sure that we have um, the proper context. So, what's happening in in this passage? Kind of a who, what, when, where, and why. Um, then we'll go and do an over. So we'll, then we'll go and do an overview of the passage. We'll kind of go through it um, verse by verse and, and draw out some important details. And then we'll have a teaching outline um, where we'll actually understand the truth that's in the passage and what we should do with it. Okay, so. Yesterday, we turned on the movie Castaway, and if you've seen it, you know that there's a beginning part where he's in Memphis, and he works for FedEx and all of this stuff, and then there's another part. I don't want to spoil it, but he gets stuck on a desert island for a long time, right? So if you were to happen to just turn on that movie, and you saw Tom Hanks in a cave with a long beard talking to a volleyball, you would say, what the heck is this, right? So in the same way, we need to understand everything that happened up to that point point. And then what what happens next, right? So that's, why, so that's what we're going to do here. We're going to um, have a little bit of context. How did he get into the cave? And why is he talking to the volleyball? So for us, we want to understand who are the Sadducees and why are they talking to Jesus here? Why are they talking about this random passage? Why are they asking him about these seven wives and the brothers and their resurrection? Um, why does Jesus tell them that they're wrong? So we don't want to just look at this as this um, isolated passage. So... Uh, When and where? This text occurs in the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Um, It occurs in the final days of Jesus's earthly ministry. Um, And at this point, it's Passover week, and he's dazed from going to the cross. So in the narrative of Scripture, this is after creation, obviously, um, after the flood, after the calling of Abraham and the building of Abraham's family, um, after the lives of Isaac and Jacob, the enslavement of God's people in Egypt, their miraculous um, exodus. God then builds a nation. Then there's a series of judges and kings that come. There's an exile of God's people um, as they're conquered by um, outside empires. Then there's prophets who tell of a coming Messiah. God's people then come back from exile, but there's still governing happening by um, outside empires. Uh, This is after the birth of Jesus, the preparatory ministry of John the Baptist, and all the calling of the disciples. And it's at the very end now of Jesus's ministry um, here on earth. Um, so this text records an interaction between the Sadducees and Jesus. So we'll get into some more stuff on the Sadducees, but they're just a member of the um, the ruling council called the Sanhedrin. It's like a religious court. So this text occurs, uh, its nearest neighbors are um, some encounters with the religious leaders who are coming to Jesus and questioning him. So uh, they say, under what authority are you doing these things? And so they're talking about, as he's come to Jerusalem in this last week of his life, he's doing healings, he's cleansing the temple, um, he's teaching with authority, he's forgiving sins. They want to know, under what authority are you doing these things? They are, and they're coming to him, challenging him. Um, and this specific thing that the, that the Sadducees are challenging Jesus on now is the doctrine of the resurrection. So there's two verses that are quoted here in this, in this passage. One is Deuteronomy 25, and one is Exodus 3. So what's the significance? Why, are they, um, why do the Sadducees come, and why do they, they press on Jesus here? So they're, the religious leaders, these members of the Sanhedrin, they saw themselves as the sole authority on the things of God and the sole giver of authority. So if you, didn't, if you weren't one of them, and they hadn't given you authority, they were very c- confused as to why Jesus would be teaching with authority or doing things that were outside of what they had directed or even knew about. So um, Jesus was reacting with authority that they didn't recognize or give. So that's our context. That's how uh, we got in the cave with the volleyball. That's, that's how Jesus gets to um, this interaction with the Sadducees. So now we're going to just go through... The the passage here, and there's kind of more or less three sections. So we want to introduce um, these characters, and this may take maybe a little bit longer than our normal introduction. There's just a couple uh, of—the Sadducees are a little complex. I want to make sure that we get all the detail there because during the teaching time, uh, these details will matter as we draw out application for ourselves. And then Deuteronomy 25, as we kind of look at that a little bit, I want to make sure that we get what's going on there because that helps with our application as well. So verse um, 18 says uh, right here, uh, And the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question. So uh, let's just take a little bit of a look at the Sadducees. So um, the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. Um, Their view of Scripture is that they only believe that the first five books of the Bible count as Scripture. So all of the recordings of the prophets and um, the the wisdom literature and the, and the poetry, uh, they didn't recognize that as as Scripture. So it said that the early church fathers believed that this was a result of the group only accepting uh, written tradition as canon instead of oral tradition, and they saw a tension between the Mosaic law and a belief in the resurrection. Um, socially and politically. Uh, they were very worldly-minded. So they welcomed Hellenization, or they welcomed uh, Greek culture um, into uh, their into the religious life of, of the Jewish people. They were the political and the social elite. Um, they were the majority in this religious court in the Sanhedrin. Um, and they were very well-educated, very sophisticated, wealthy, um, and aristocratic. So they, because of these things, they rejected any ideas that they felt weren't included in the written tradition things like angels, miracles, resurrection from the dead, um, the idea of immorality. Um, they viewed God as being a little bit more hands-off than we might um, discuss. So this morning, as Adam was praying, he talked about God's sovereignty and his intentionality in every circumstance. In one of the commentaries I read, it talked about, it compared the Sadducees to a group called the Deists who are sort of in the 1700s. But, so it's not a direct, like, one-for-one comparison, but I thought it could give us a good idea of um, maybe a little bit more about, about the Sadducees. It said that uh, the deists held a form of rational theology. Um, the deists believed that religious truth should be subject to the authority of human reason rather than divine revelation. Uh, they saw God as a little bit more hands-off, non-relational, uh, not involved, um, and they didn't believe in the supernatural realm or, or final judgment or even hell. So you can see that it's it's going to be an interesting interaction between Jesus, who is God, and this group who saw Jesus who saw um, Scripture and God as um, being a very hands off type of God. They didn't fear God; they feared man. Um, in Mark eleven, it talks about the as they come and they begin to question Jesus. They say that they were afraid of the people, um, and they didn't know how to handle this interaction that they had with Jesus because. Um, their fear was more of, of of the people and keeping their position of authority, um, rather than fearing God. They didn't tremble to offend God, or they didn't respect His will. They didn't hasten to serve Him, or desire to uh, obey His word as much. Their aim in this interaction that we'll see is to discount the is to discount Jesus, rather than um, it, it's to discount His His uh, His teaching. So we see more about um, the Sadducees in Acts twenty three. Um, And we see more about the Sadducees in Acts 4 as well. Um, And and it's in those places that we um, can draw out some of these details. uh, But also some of these details are from, you know, uh, external biblical scholars and historians. So that's a little bit more about uh, them. They come to ask Jesus this question, and yet their opinion is already established. So they don't desire an answer, nor are they interested in any way. Um, and what he and who Jesus is, or how he will be, or if they will be impacted by his teaching, but they're primarily adr- um, interested in addressing uh, this new threat to their to their authority that they currently hold. So that's the Sadducees. A um, little bit of a, a character introduction to them, um, and then last week we had an awesome introduction uh, overview of the character of Jesus. So I just wanted to like share back to you what Tyson taught last week from Colossians one. So um, as they interact with Jesus. You know we know that Jesus is supreme over all creation. That Jesus is God. That He is Creator. That He is Sustainer. Uh, we know that Jesus is supreme in salvation. He's our Shepherd. Jesus is our Resurrection, and Jesus is the way that we're reconciled to God. And the next section after this uh, question is at, as the uh, the question is posed, you have Deuteronomy twenty-five. So that's where um, the the Sadducees ask this question, this riddle. They say, the seven brothers, one took a wife. Um, he passed away, then the next, and then the next, and then the next. Whose wife will she be in, uh, in the resurrection? So they're quoting from Deuteronomy 25, and this is the—man, I'm going to mess it up. Leverite marriage? I think I got it. The Leverite Marriage Law. Um, and this law is instruction for how to handle remarriage uh, within a family or clan structure. So the purpose of it is keeping distinct family genealogies, uh, showing respect to the widow and the deceased brother. It also has a lot to do with um, inheritance. So it keeps the family land and other inheritance in the family rather than having a stranger come and marry into the family. By having the brother-in-law marry the um, the widow, it keeps all that inheritance um, there in the family. I was shocked at how often inheritance is talked about um, in the Old Testament, both in land and in, in possession, the laws are given. And so, when we when we find laws, we have to understand what are they there for? What is their purpose? How did they come about? Um, often, laws are given in response to places where they've where God's people have failed. So, as an example, um, when Jesus is asked by the Pharisees about divorce in Matthew 19, his response to them is says. The reason that you have this law about divorce is because of your hardness of heart, so in the same way there's been um failures and mishandling of this uh area, and so that's why you have this this law so but it was an ancient practice this was happening um well before um deuteronomy twenty five um, it's discussed in genesis thirty eight in the story of Judah and tamar um it seems and and when they mention it in that verse, it seems to be a common practice it's just mentioned as, hey, the duty of the brother-in-law, as if it's known and, and, and a normal thing. Wrapped up in this law, there's honor, there's shame, and there's legacy at, at, at stake uh, for the brother-in-law. The brother-in-law won't be forced to, um, to do this, but they'll be put to great shame um, if they refuse. Um, if you go and you, you read um, that text... It talks about the brother-in-law who refuses will be brought out um, in public. Um, the widow would spit in his face, take off his sandal, and hit him in the face with it. And that his new family name, everybody in the clan would refer to him as the one who's been hit in the face with the sandal. So you would now be Rob, not Turner anymore, Rob, hit in the face with a sandal. And that's, that's ongoing shame for you and your family by... Um, by your failure to participate in this. they Many saw that um, there was reason to believe that Deuteronomy 25 was seen as a way to inherit um, eternal life, so that by perpetuating the family name um, in the world, your name lived on. Um, One of the commentaries stated that there's reason to think that at this point in God's revelation, men had not so clear... um, and certain of prospect of living beyond themselves on the other side of death as we have now. So there was very much an emphasis on, hey, I need to produce an heir. Hey, I need to continue on my genealogy. Hey, I need my inheritance to be sure. And so this law was, was viewed by um, the Sadducees here as a way to say, what's the use of teaching on a resurrected soul if we have Deuteronomy 25? That's how, how people live on. So their argument strategy here. So they, they, they come and they present this um, argument, this riddle um, to Jesus, saying, "Hey, what's going to happen if, to these people in light of the the law here? If they're all married and they all don't produce an heir in the resurrection, as you as you say will happen, um, how is how does that how does that play out? Rather than denying the res- so their their strategy is to rather than deny the resurrection, they try to undermine it and and frame it up as absurd." making it seem below consideration. So it's not meant to be answered, um, but it's, make, it's meant to make the idea of a resurrection seem beyond ridiculous. That's their aim. Um, rather than tell Jesus he's wrong, they they mean to um, make his teaching seem um, below, below consideration. Okay, uh, final piece here in the kind of overview and, and detail section is... Verse 24 to 27, this is Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't answer or address their riddle. He just simply tells them that they're wrong. Wrong about the Scripture being God-centered, he tells them that they know not the Scriptures nor the power of God. First, he talks about the Scripture. He says, you know not the Scripture. These are, the, the Scriptures are objective truths for us to mold our thinking around, not truths that we determine ourselves. Um, in John 8, Jesus says uh, to the Jews who had believed in him, they said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The and we'll, we'll talk some more about this, but the Sadducees come with an individual verse that they're attempting to use to accomplish their purposes versus coming to Scripture, seeking to learn and know God and be molded by it. Uh, they're wrong about marriage. They have an inadequate uh, picture of uh, marriage and eternity and its purposes. Uh, They're wrong about the resurrection. They are thinking that if there is a resurrection, it would be a copy and paste of this life. But the resurrection is more than a better earth, it will be a life of a new order. Um, It will be beyond our comprehension. So, a lot of times when we look at visions, um, they use the word like it's like this or it looked like that. Um, When we have visions of what heaven will be, um, they're just incomplete. They fall short because it's earthly language being used to try to describe heavenly realities. Um, and the purpose of the resurrection um, won't be for our—they won't be us-centered. They won't be for our enjoyment. Um, it won't be um, for the enjoyment of earthly pleasures. It won't be um, for our exaltation. But instead, um, it'll be—we'll uh, experience full satisfaction in God's presence forever, enjoying Him without the distortion of our sin. Our sin. And they're also um, wrong about the power of God. Uh, the I am, the one— the one God with no beginning and no ending, the one who never changes is the one who creates an eternal people for himself, a people with no beginning, with a specific beginning and no ending. They've missed the power of God. One other note here before we uh, jump into the teaching time related to where the quote from Exodus. So the God of refers not only to, it refers not to the God that they believe in. So what he's what he's not saying is the God that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob believe in, but he's referring to um, the God who offers help and protection. So we might say, uh, similar to how we might say that Osiris is the God of fertility. So when I need help with, if I'm an Egyptian and I need help with fertility, I go to worship Osiris because he's the one who provides power and provision in that area. So when we say um, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, it's the one who's providing all power and all provision for them. So, the reason that Jesus, um, so Jesus quotes this this scripture back to them, and it's really um, it, it re- re- returns their absurd. <laughs> it, it's a re- retort on their absurd riddle, right? So, how absurd is their riddle? Is equally absurd that a, that a God who has always existed, who is all powerful, would not be able to raise to raise the dead. How absurd is it that um, the God who protects and provides for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would abandon them at their greatest time of need, which is death? Jesus Himself is the first fruits of the resurrection, and He points to our sure resurrection um, just days before um, His His resurrection. So uh, that's uh, a bunch of detail that kind of gets us to the point where re- we're ready to um, jump into a teaching outline and uh, be a little bit more uh, less information-focused and more um, applica- application-focused. So uh, that'll be, uh, that's, wh- that's where we are now. So what truths um, can we find for our lives in this passage? What are we to do, and how are we to live in light of this truth? So there's three things um, that, that we'll talk through. So the first one here, um, verse 18, listen in faith. Resurrection to eternal life comes through hearing God's word and faith as opposed to having a theolo- theoretical knowledge. Hearing what specifically? So we need to hear the gospel. We need to hear that Jesus has risen from the dead and that he is alive today. We need to hear that this truth reconciles us into right relationship with God. And, that, and that's what makes eternal life uh, with him possible. Um, We're asked to come to God's word uh, with faith, Um, and it just takes a little bit, right? Like we're not asked to come and fully understand every aspect of God's word. Um, We're called to bring a small amount of faith to God's word. Jesus uses the image of the mustard seed, the smallest of seeds that when sown grows into the biggest tree in the garden. Great faith is not asked initially. Small acts of faith sown with the Lord grow into great faith. When Jesus calls his disciples, he just says, follow me, period. He, when he goes and calls Abraham, he says, follow me, go to where I'm sending you. And that's what he continues to do today. In each of our lives, at some point, if we are in Christ, he has given us this invitation and said, follow me, trust me. And when we do, it, that is the moment when uh, it is credited to us as righteousness. And then he begins to grow us in, in our faithfulness um, over time. Secondly, Scripture exists to accomplish God's purposes, not our own. So Sadducees come, uh, and they've got this, in their mind, perfect verse, this perfect um, riddle based on Scripture that they believe will um, stump um, Jesus. But Scripture exists to accomplish God's purposes, uh, the calling of a people to himself forever. So whatever that alternate purpose may be that we have for Scripture, even if it can be seen as good, something like good-behaving kids or uh, moral behavior, if those are the purposes that we have for Scripture, they fall short. Listen, I want you to know what's available to you in God's Word. Um, it's God's revelation of who He is, His plan for redeeming a people from their sins and bringing them from death to life. Because, it's, because God's Word is for His purposes, we must come with soft hearts, ready to discern His will And be molded by it rather than coming to it to use it to accomplish our purposes. So we'll be very wrong and we'll miss everything if our agenda is primary and we use God's word to accomplish our purposes versus um, going to it to um, be changed and be made uh, more into the um, image of God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing from which I sent it. God's word will accomplish his purposes. Um, and that's to... Um, Produce a people um, for his own. All right, next section. Uh, verses 19 uh, to 23. So it's in Christ alone that we receive our inheritance, adoption, and glory. This, this Deuteronomy 25 um, passage and quote, there's a, a temptation to see that as long as I have an heir, um, as long as I leave an inheritance, as long as I'm continuing to be part of the, the, the nation um, that, that I live on. Um, But instead, what what Christ tells us is that um, we trust in him alone. It's in him alone that we receive our inheritance, adoption, and glory. Um, In Ephesians 1, we see all three of these. Uh, Verses uh, 11 through 14 said, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, guarantor of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Um, adoption. Uh, in, in Ephesians 1.5, it says, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed, the, blessed us in the Beloved and glory. Um, Not our own glory, uh, but in his glory. In him we have been obtained in in verse, and so this is back to um, Ephesians 11 through 14. He works all things so that in him we uh, will be adopted um, for his glory, um, and that um, we will find our inheritance in him for his glory. So with the full revelation of God now in our possession, the eternal nature of the soul is clear, and we can see that in faith Christ is the better um, lever marriage law. This law was a shadow of what was to come in Christ. Um, and second here, um, there will be no questions regarding who receives inheritance, adoption, and glory at the resurrection. There's an already not yet aspect to inheritance and inheritance to eternal life. So the word sealed in verse 13 of Ephesians 1 uh, should be thought of like a notary putting their, um, their official seal on the document uh, with the Holy Spirit being um, the seal. So where leveret marriage leaves uncertainty, um, will someone accept the responsibility to marry the widow? Will they produce an heir? Will our name live on? Will our inheritance remain in the family? Christ provides certainty. Um, when we went through this uh, Ephesians 1 back in 2021, um, the note said, uh, my future starts and ends with Christ. In him alone can we both envision the security of our future and embrace the security um, of our present. All right, last section. All things big and small are part of God's plan to redeem a people of faith for himself forever. God has one plan, which has never changed, and all things work together to accomplish that plan. The law, marriage, the spiritual realm, our daily circumstances, the scripture, and the power of God all work together as a part of God's one single plan. This is a quote from uh, from Paul Tripp, uh, in the book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, it says, from the rise and fall of governments to tomorrow's weather to the exact location of every human being, the universe is under God's control. He has the power and authority to do exactly what, he, what, what pleases him, anywhere he chooses to do it. God's sovereignty is not only about power and position, but also about a plan. Scripture clearly teaches that God has a plan for, for the, his world and the people in it. God is calling a people to himself, forming them into his likeness, and preparing them for an eternity with him. This is his overarching plan of the ages, revealed in history, present and current events, and in the lives of everyone who has ever lived. At any moment in time, the right answer to the question, what is God doing, is accomplishing his plan. Lastly, um, an encounter with Jesus is coming for us all. Listen, to be clear anything other than a confession of Christ as risen Lord and acknowledgement of our condition as lost sinners who are incapable of earning righteousness as our own, on our own, confessing that Christ alone is our only hope for reconciliation with God and then repenting and turning and dying to our old self falls short. This is what it means to know the scriptures and to know the power of God. A uh, theoretical knowledge, facts, they don't get us anywhere, um, Matthew 7, 20, 21, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of wellnessness. It's a knowledge of God that um, involves relationship, involves submission, And involves confessing Christ um, as our Lord. All right, lastly, application for us. Listen to, trust, and rest in the promises and purposes of God, of of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So listen in faith. We can ask ourselves, God, what have you told me in your word that I'm missing right now? Uh, Number two, trust in Christ alone. What am I hoping in other than Christ? And number three, rest in God's plan. How am I viewing this circumstance? A quick personal disapplication here and how um, this can work. Uh, So just in preparing yesterday, was uh, discouraged um, and just had to to get out and um, just ask myself these questions. And here's how God brought them to my heart to answer. He said, I said, God, what have you told me in your word that I'm missing right now? Um, 2 Corinthians 12 came to mind. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, I am small. When I am weak, I am strong. Um, as I wrote each note uh, in this outline, uh, in my mind an image came to came there that had a frowny face or a discouraged look. I thought, what if this isn't good enough? Um, I missed the point. I missed what Scripture has to tell for me, what what Scripture has to tell me, that when I'm weak, I'm strong, and it's Christ who's accomplishing um, his purposes. What am I hoping in other than Christ? Philippians 3 came to mind. Indeed, I count everything as lost due to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. I was trying to be um, an elder of elders. I was trying to be a Hebrew of Hebrews and create the perfect outline, um, but I missed it. I missed that reliance on Christ. I missed what's most important, um, and that's knowing Christ and Experiencing a relationship with Him, um, both now and forever, and I was viewing my circumstances wrong as well. I wasn't resting in God's plan. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight says, "And we know that for all those for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose." I didn't see this sermon this time as a part of God's purpose, nor an act of good that God was doing in my life. I missed it. We all have an interaction um, with Jesus coming, and if we see God's word and His purposes. Uh, as just a series of laws to obey, things to do, boxes to check, we will miss the purpose and miss the intent, miss the redemptive um, nature and the purpose of, of his word. Respond today, and I just pray that um, Jesus would not respond to you um, and say you you're wrong and you missed it. Let's pray. Father, you can do all things. You can take these words, and you can create um, new lives through them. God, I pray that as we uh, meditate and think on these words, that you would use them um, to draw people to yourself. God, when we face circumstances this week that are difficult, I pray that you would um, stir us to go to your word and faith and that we would listen, that we would go with expectation uh, to be changed and molded. God, I pray that um, you would draw up and stir up areas of our lives where uh, we're trusting in things other than you. And God, I pray that you would help us to rest in your plans, that we would see each of the circumstances of our lives as things that you're doing uh, to accomplish your purposes, to create a people for yourself for all time. Father, we love you and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.